Welcome to Mike Ferry Strategies, the official MFO podcast. Hear from Mike Ferry himself, or maybe one of his speakers, possibly one of his top coaches, and even top producers from around North America. Agents, each week you will learn how to increase your production to develop a successful mindset, make more money, and get the most out of the Mike Ferry sales system. This podcast is your portal to expert real estate training, helping you become a top producing agent. Let's get started. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in again today. We're looking at our superstar series. Uh, I hope you're enjoying this time that we're spending with some of the best of the best. And you are in for a real treat today, okay? We've got someone that I've known for a long time and worked with for a long time. Mr. Patrick Southern is on with us today. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, gosh, do I owe so much to you. So, And the whole Mike Ferry organization. So thank you. Uh, you're, you're so welcome for that. Tell everybody who you are, where you work, and a little bit about yourself. Um, so my name is Patrick Southern. I run a real estate sales business based out of Hudson County, New Jersey, which focuses on Jersey City primarily and Hoboken. So right, right across from Midtown and downtown Manhattan, just on the other side of the river. Okay. And how many transactions take place in that space that you work in a year? So I, I really focus only on the actual uh, eastern side. So Hudson County is a very big county. It's the second biggest in the state um, next to Essex. And I really only deal with the the downtown type area and just west of that. So there's probably around, you know, 4,800 transactions in our general waterfront corridor, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, but that includes a couple of different pockets that are out there. Okay, good. And so we're not talking like a lot of people, they get themselves planted in these big spaces with tens of thousands of transactions a month, right? And you're not no, in that kind of environment. Yeah, it's interesting because it's, uh, it's gosh, to go, three miles might take you 30 minutes. So it's a very densely populated area. Mm -hmm. So your, your circle that you run is a lot smaller than a lot of these other places that are as vast as they are. So yeah, it's not, it's not a huge, huge transactional uh, market in that sense, but there's pockets everywhere if you want to jump into them. Wow. Okay, good. And so it's, it's a, it's a relatively small space that you figured this out. Now you had an interesting start with us at the Mike Ferry organization. How long have you been involved with us and how long have you been in real estate? So I started real estate when I was, gosh, I guess 22. And um, I started with Mike Ferry the year after I started, if I remember correctly. Um, I got poached by a Remax uh, broker and I met with a Mike Ferry agent and um, they were explaining to me the system of what it was and how it worked. And this is the, you know, before smartphones and all that other stuff. And I remember leaving that meeting and I had no dough, nothing going on, uh, doing my best to try to figure it out on my own. I remember leaving that meeting, I walked outside onto the sidewalk and on my flip phone StarTech, I dialed 411, asked for the Mike Ferry organization and paid for a year coaching in advance. No idea how I was gonna pay for it, but it figured that it was based on you know, hard work and telling the truth. And it was going to take a long time. Like those things all made mathematical sense to me that it should take a long time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that's basically it. I've never left coaching since. I mean, I've been here ever since then. I've, I've never left. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you, you, you know, a little different than most, you, you saw something and then you 
jumped on the opportunity. You know, we have people that circle around this thing for four or five years before they get committed. You were, you know, a year in the business, you get one really one exposure to Mike and, and then you jumped in. What, what would cause that? Like, so not to get too deep into just my own, uh, psychosomatic type stuff, but it just, in, in the way I've ever experienced anything in life is that the easy route, although it sounds glamorous and all that other good stuff, I always knew that like hard work is what always paid off for me. I mean, I played sports when I was younger. I gosh, worked my first job I had at seven years old. Like everything was based around hard work and skill then. And even back then, there were so many gimmicks about things that you can do to get business quickly. And it just never resonated with me well. So when I heard that there was like a schedule and a plan and, you know, there was skills that you could learn and that over time you build up and you could build something great, like it just made sense to me that that was the right way to go. Because mm-hmm. um, I wasn't afraid of work. Work never frightened me. I'm okay with hard work. It's, you know, just part of what it is. So that's what really made sense to me to, to go that route. And uh, the other part of it was, you know, I never had any, any guidance for, how to plan a business. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. And this sounded like it was a group of people that didn't just teach it, but had already done it, if not were doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, I think in, I always think about the, the movie School of Rock and the great Jack Black, those who can't do teach, those who can't teach, teach Jim. So <laughs> I wanted to make sure I was taught by someone that actually did, if you follow me. <laughs> So great. And it's such a refreshing thing in our world because you you heard words like work and discipline and some of those things and, and business plan and all those things. And you were drawn to it where many people hear those words and they are run from it. Right. So no, I, I, I run the old fashioned work ethic. Yeah. I run to that. <laughs> OK, good for yeah. you. It's part of why you're where you are. Right. So here we flash forward. How many years now? So uh, just about 19 or 20 or something like that. So now we're, man, you're getting to be the old man in the business. I thought I was going to be the only one, right? So- listen, listen, when I first, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I would dress in nothing but three-piece suits because yeah. I wanted to associate with older people. Now, like I ditched the tie here and there because I want to associate with the younger people. Like it's a whole different thing. <laughs> I'm you come full circle, I'm full circle, back. right? <laughs> it's so great. Well, one of the things that I've noticed about you, among many, but one of the things that I've noticed about you watching you run your business and, and do it the way you have is there's, you have this uncanny way to follow this one thought that we have in MFO, which is start every day at zero. So tell me about your philosophy about finding work as you've come up the ladder here. So I wish I could say this is a, a, a glamorous trait, but it's definitely something like I'm, I'm my own hardest critic always. And, um, you know, I just always looked at every day and I know it sounds like we've all heard this before, but every day I'd wake up and say, you know, you got to go get a job today. You know, it was just, it was just a feeling of unemployment all the time and for better or for worse. And I'm sure I should, I could do a better, you know, job of, of, you know, acknowledging wins and things of this nature, which I I'm trying better at, as you know, Tony, but, you know, I always after a win, I say, Hey, that was great. And then I think about how can I do it again or better, you know, and that's just always been how I've been wired Um, for right or wrong. I've built the business. Uh, If I really identify it, it was a, it was a fear driven situation where it, this, this had to work. 
You know, like I didn't know what else I would do. Like it, it just had to work. There was no option in failure. So like that just never came into my mind. Like, what if this doesn't happen really? I focused more on how does this happen? And I, it was just a, a mindset way of thinking of it. And it was very difficult in the beginning because, you know, I spent the better part of my career being really bad at this industry. Like the first many, many years, I was just so not good at it, you know, fumbling around and making mistakes and all that good stuff. But, you know, looking back at it now, all those mistakes were really great because you just learn so much from them. And the faster you make a mistake, the faster you don't do that mistake again. So in the big picture, it played out the way it was supposed to. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just a matter of, of, of keep going for it, you know, just to be relentless and really outwork my competition, which I still feel I do. Yeah, I know you do. I know you do. And it's one of the things that I really respect about what you do is you have this way of, of seeing the success. I'd like you to see it a little more at times, but you see it, but then you immediately come back to how can I do better at that tomorrow? And it's just, it's helped you build this empire that you have. Right. So what do we look at now? You know, at this year, what, what is your transaction goal coming on the upcoming year? What are you looking to do? So I really want to, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit ahead of the game this year because I've, just the way that the, the maturity of the business progresses, I've got more into development and things of that nature. And this is not where I'm going, it's my development, but it's the ability to understand that pocket of it um, from that started several years ago. So I do have a pretty good pipeline of some new construction stuff, which is for lack of better words, like a sugar rush for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so my goal would be this year is to hit 200 transactions, which I have not yet hit. Okay, and you've been around this number a bunch. How close have you gotten? Uh, close. Like this year I am 167. So like I'm right there. It's not a far stretch whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I have figured out a very condensed work week this, this year that I'm going to translate into next year, which I think I could just get better at and more efficient at. Um, but I believe I can get there, especially with the help of a lot of this new construction. Okay. So you got the new construction stuff, but you've worked really hard to get that pipeline in front of you all the time. Uh, okay. and then you've, you've, got a reduced week that you're starting to play around with and it's proving to work. So you break 200 transactions in the upcoming year. And then what's that work week look like? So how I've decided to do it because being this many years in the business, and this is just how I I feel about it is that, you know, repetitious boredom is a real thing. Mm -hmm. And um, the five day prospecting week uh, proved to be something that even though I was trained and disciplined not to, I find myself trying to get distracted because it's so long. Um, so what I've worked on with you is just really condensing my prospecting and looking for new work to be super isolated on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, mm-hmm. just so that when I show, you know, just showing up and going and looking for work is one thing, but showing up and going and really grinding with an attention is another. And the latter is, is intense. And you need that intensity to have high production, or at least I do. So I found myself kind of like waffling when I really evaluated my five-day prospecting week. And I was like, gosh, this is really inefficient and poor. Um, it's, it's, it's not 100% effort. It's diluted because I kind of don't want to do it anymore. It's like the feeling, you know, right, right. it feels funny saying that, but that, that's the case. But when I condensed it, at least for me, into really hardcore Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 
it really changed things dramatically for me where that could like be a switch of like game time and go only because I know I only had three days of it, you know, and who knows, that's just what's working now. And I think that the beauty of the Mike Ferry system is, you know, I don't know if there's a right or wrong reason once you get to a certain or right or wrong way, once you get to a certain point, you got to kind of just do what's working for you in the moment. Mm -hmm. And that, that seems to be exciting. And now I actually look forward to the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because I'm saying, how great is this? I could do what I used to do in a week in three days. Like, it's just a, it's a good, it's, it's a way to feel good again, you know, and to, to get uh, excited about the idea of looking for work. Well, and these are some of the choices that you get. First of all, if you if you do what you're supposed to do for a lot of years, you know, yeah. when you talk about repetitious boredom for 20 straight years, um, doing it five days a week and grinding that out, which I know you have, it does afford you the opportunity to make some choices, which you're doing and saying, realizing that a five day week, I was I found the sloppiness in that. I condense it to a three day work work week in terms of prospecting and generation and really ramp up the intensity and the focus. I can outproduce it in three days. And let me just add to that too, to make sure I'm clear for whoever's listening to this. I believe the only reason I can do that now is because of all the years I put in. Mm -hmm. I could not have done that year one through seven. I, I just wasn't good enough. And that's because I could, I could turn leads and turn people at such a quicker ratio now because my contacts to, to lead used to be huge and now it's so small. And the only reason I could condense that for me is because the skill level is so much better. I could yeah. I couldn't have got I couldn't have gotten away with this in the in the in the beginning. I don't. You put some, you put some work into the skills in those in those many 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 of those early years, right? What were they, what were they called back then? Was it um, what was the script one? Was it called the uh, productivity school? Productivity school. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I used to go to three or four of those a year for like the first seven years. You know what I mean? Like. I was at them all the time. Um, so it just took a while to, to figure out how to get that ingrained to become my own, which now I look at the script. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I came up with that, but it's not mine. <laughs> That's Mike Ferry's approach. If you do something, you know, a little bit, it's research. Yeah. If you do it or something up, it's, right? it's your own, yeah. it's your own material, right? And so <laughs> it feels like that now. It has become your own and it's such a natural a dialogue that you have and your communication level with, with sellers and clients is, is off the charts, right? Yeah. So um, you can, you can, you can sit in that space and really enjoy it, which is excellent. The other reason you can do this is you've, you've been one of the, I would say rare, but one of the few real estate agents uh, in the world that has figured out how to keep a lot of the money they make. So tell me a little bit about this. What is your like a broad sweeping philosophy you have about keeping money? So I never focused much about necessarily how much I made. I focus more about how much I kept. Mm -hmm. That's how I kept score. Um, it was always what I can keep. And then what I keep, how do I get that to keep working while I'm working? And one of the nice things about our industry that I found is that we get a free education outside of sales, but into the investment world. Mm -hmm. So if you're aware and you look around, you could see people do things and you look at it and you say, gosh, that was a good idea. I should probably look at doing that. And then the next day you see something, you say, gosh, that is an awful idea. I should not do that. So you get to learn all of these mistakes and victories on other people's money. And it doesn't mean your clients. It means just in general, just being aware of the marketplace. Mm -hmm. 
So I started uh, just buying real estate at an early age as much as I could. And uh, I still to this day, um, you know, live a pretty normal lifestyle, I guess you could say that. Um, but, uh, you know, especially early on, I, I focused more about just investments than personal um, satisfaction. So some people had goals of different things. That was cool. My goals were always, you know, oriented about uh, just increasing net worth and passive income. That was my goals. And uh, the reality of it, in my experience, is you just have to be patient that it's not glamorous. It's not sexy. It's not exciting. It takes a long time. But if you just keep grinding and going and going and going, you'll pick your head up one day and a decade and a half has gone by and you go, oh my God, how'd I do this? You know, it's, it's one of those type things. Yeah. So I just always focused on that. That was one of my just biggest, bigger driving points. And I think that just came to the situation where I always just wanted to feel a level of security. And I didn't want to always just chase that next deal to survive is my, my so great. There was so much said in that. I hope people pick up on it that are, that are tuning in here is that, you know, you focused on what I keep instead of what I made when the industry we work in is all really eager to put out there what they've made, which has nothing to do with what they keep. And, and you locked into what you made. And then it was just a, a long-term commitment to investing in real estate. Now you can hit, you can hit all the paper money, right? With a rock at wall street, right across the way. Right. So how yeah. is your, what has your thought been about this whole thing? Because, you know, you got real estate in front of you and then there's all this, this, you know, paper money and stocks and, and all those things. I always looked at it as just what risk tolerance was. And by the way, anyone that's, if anyone hears this, I'm not giving any financial advice. This is only what worked for me and what, what I did. So for me, I always just stuck with what I know. So I always did heavy, heavy, heavy real estate. And that's just the way I did it was investment properties, buildings, land, new construction, everything with the end game to be rental. I didn't do any condo sales because the tax penalties are too heavy. So it was all about just, you know, making sure I could get enough assets under my belt for uh, the ability to have some income coming in and on top of that, to have something that offsets uh, my ordinary income from a depreciation factor as well, because taxes are real. And, you know, I'm very happy to live in this country. I don't want to live anywhere else. They're a very expensive business partner. And, um, you know, just there are ways out there that you could legitimately really help yourself out when you're earning good money by owning real estate. So that's how I always kept it. As I've gotten older, my risk tolerance has gotten less. And that's primarily because I think I know too much now on mm -hmm. like how things happen. Like for example, I in, in 2011 got, bought this great piece of land and was gonna put up this great apartment building and couldn't wait for it. Fast forward to uh, 2020, the apartment building got complete because I was in nine years of litigation with the city and everything else that we ended up coming out of the other end from. But now I know that that piece of property could warrant that kind of risk. Like I had no idea going into it. So now I'm a little bit less um, uh, risk adverse. So I do have some, you know, some money in the markets now with, with, with wealth management type people, but it's all cash that is never meant to be touched you know so it's not it's it's long 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 term stuff that i hopefully never have to ever touch ever um but i just started uh diversifying recently this is so great you can get you're in you happen to have chosen a field that you can get the education in investing in real estate 
So yeah. if you pay attention, stick to what you know, and it has to be your personal advice on how how that works. And, and the model is, is proven to give you that spot. You know, you don't have to work now. And if you didn't want to, you could actually not work. Right. What, what, what keeps you driving forward today? Um, a couple things. One is I'm finally good at something. So it's nice to keep that going. <laughs> I'm not good at many things, but I'm good at this. Right. Uh, I'm finally good at this. So I want to keep it going. And plus I'm really not, I'm really not done yet. And, um, one of the things I've spoken with you about, and I don't want to derail this interview on it, and we'll, we could continue our conversation, but I really got to get clear with what my, my bigger type goals are mm -hmm. and uh, where I want to be. So right now, the, the spigot is wide open, and I plan on you know keeping the drink from it. I mean, we I've worked so hard to get this business churning at a certain level, and it's there. And to now just walk away from it would be, I think, a mistake. And mm -hmm. on top of that, you know, my kids are still young and this is the crazy world we live in. You never know what's going to happen. So might as well keep going while we can. I think, uh, you know, everyone gets distracted by the shiny fishing lure of something else, but sticking with what you know and keep grinding on it uh, has always proven to be the most uh, productive for me. And some people are maybe a little irritated as they hear this, you know, the faucet's wide open. I finally got something that I'm good at. Uh, if I can do this in three real intense days a week with a couple of days that are, are not as intense, why wouldn't I just keep doing that? Yeah. Like, why wouldn't I keep doing that? You mentioned I, to me one time that you said, I actually figured out one of the things that drives me is I actually enjoy making money. It's, love, it's something I enjoy doing, right? It's, it's fun. It's a nice way to keep score on things. And don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm working Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I'm just, you know, lounging by the pool the rest of the week. Like I'm still working you know, and I've got a bunch of stuff going on. When I say Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, be clear. I mean, those are my grinding prospecting days, yep. which is really our work, right? Yep. Um, everything else is maintenance. Um, but uh, the, just to be clear on that, it's, it's, I'm not trying to glamorize it. I'm just hanging out three days at hardcore and then four days I'm doing nothing, but, you know, watching the clouds, you know? Well, and you say so many great things. It just shows the business maturity. You said, you know, three days of work, work the, the prospecting part of it, whereas the grind is the actual work and the other part of it's maintenance. And if we get more people to understand the difference between income earning activities and servicing right. and, and recognize that there's only a few things that is actually earning income and the rest of it's servicing, yes. it's such a huge shift for people when they become mature business people, for sure. Right. So a couple, couple more thoughts. And I just want to get your thoughts on something. Uh, you know, we look at something, uh, your whole take, and you've seen this happen in this whole environment of staff versus teams, okay? And I know when I say this, I start to poke a little bit of a bear, so I'm not going to open the whole can up, but just in, what is your philosophy? What is your thought about this whole thing that's uh, with the teams versus staff? Oh, man. I'm going to, I'm going to, okay. I don't want to get anyone upset, so I'll try to be as PC as possible. I still feel that there has to be a rainmaker for a team to happen where there's still the traditional model where you have someone that lists and then a buyer agent that takes care of things. I run a very still old school Mike Ferry uh, team, we'll call it, um, which is myself and my sister Shay is my buyer's agent. Mm -hmm. And that's it, right? Some staff and stuff like that, but that's, that's it, minimal staff. Um, so I believe that that pure model is a very uh, good way to go. I know that we've seen a lot of these teams, uh, that have done really well. And there's a bunch of them that have been successful, but like anything else, there's a bunch of them that 
put up a lot of numbers that don't get to keep much. And I think that that becomes more of a situation where it is staff that are just answering what is most likely some ad leads and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I think anyone should do whatever they feel most comfortable with. I don't know what's right for anyone other than myself, but I've just been really comfortable in the space of making sure I'm running really lean in this sense, because I feel that I am most, uh, I guess, positioned to be as strong as possible for any market change whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I've just never been a fan of getting into uh, advertising for, for work. It's just not pay, paying for work. It's just not been something that has been attractive to me. And I haven't figured out a model that I've seen yet. And it very well could be because I don't want to manage people. I just, I just want to sell, you know, I, and that's, that's my own thing. You know, I don't want to be a manager. I don't want to, you know, motivate agents to get up and go to work. Like that seems awful to me, but other people like that and that's okay too. But I just like to run a more lean and mean machine as I was taught many, many years ago. So it, it works, you know, uh, you know, you think about the, the model works and it just happens to suit you well. And yeah. I, I want to get your perspective on it because some people have gotten into the spot that they start to believe that there's the only way I can make any money and hit any huge numbers and, and profit and all those things is, is the team route. And that's the only way to go. And here I'm looking at you, you know, running a business like Mike Ferry suggested, you run a business 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and you're running that business today and it's hugely profitable and it's there. You just have to stay in the driver's seat when it comes to generating business. It's and actually it's just a smart way to go. You know? yeah, it's actually easier now to, to do it this way. I'll share an example with everyone that I shared with you, I think a call or two ago. So when I started in the business, in my marketplace, there was, if I were to guess, I don't know the real answer, 150 realtors, right? And this is a long, long time ago. And an expired would come, you'd call that expire. And he would say, or she would say, I'm so tired of these calls from these real estate agents. I've been getting so many, There's, you're the 40th person that called today. And I'd be like, oh my God, what an uphill battle, 40 people. Fast forward to now, the days of AI and technology and all this other stuff that everyone's very excited about. I'm glad they are. I used to be upset about it, but now I'm thrilled. I called an expired the other day and he said, I'm so tired of all these expired calls. I've gotten so many. I said, well, sir, if you don't mind, how many have you gotten? He goes, eight. I said, oh my God, oh my God, no one's out there. I'm like, it's wide open. This is amazing. So great, right? So my, my point is, I think that the, the old school kind of Mike Ferry effort doesn't mean you can't do a combination of anything. You should do whatever you want. But the old school grind, I just think that there's a lot less people trying to actually physically talk to people. Mm-hmm. And when dealing with these assets that are very important um, to the folks you're speaking with, uh, the idea that they're actually getting someone live and knowledgeable, not someone calling to get to someone live and knowledgeable has been a really impact, a big impact for our business. So I think that there's a a wide open space there once again. So what a neat thought, right? Like uh, when you finally figure out what to say and the world is trying to get away from saying anything to anybody. And if you keep saying stuff to people, you're going to make a lot of money. It just makes sense to me too. I I like it. So, you know, this has been great. If you had any, you know, parting advice for, for the, the, we have this incredible variety of people that tune into this, everything from all of our superstars to brand new agents, it's across the board. Okay. Any, uh, any advice you want to give the group before we sign out today? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's going to be something that if you've been an MFO, you've heard for a while, but the ability to stay consistent 
with a plan of action, I think is one of the most uh, important aspects of what this business is because it is a sales business. It is a numbers game. And the more that you stay on an actual rhythm of things, I think the better in the long run, the outcome's going to be primarily because anything I do today, I don't necessarily reap the benefits of today. I reap them 90 days from now. So in order to keep having the 90 days be productive in 91 and 92 and 93, it's got to be one day after another on the front end. And, uh, you know, the last thing I would say is be totally crazy about customer service. Make sure your clients are just happy with the experience. Ask them how it went. Put programs in place so that they're getting what they want. And one last kind of thought that's been really productive for us is, I would have my staff and still do at the end of each month, write down why a client called in and evaluate why that is. And I would be willing to bet anyone on, you know, that's listening to this, that 85% of those things could be fixed with a proactive you know, approach or touch. Cause I don't ever think the client should call into us. I think that that means we're lacking somewhere in, in service. So especially in today's day and age with everything that's going on with technology and the Zillows and the advertising, this and that, keep your database close and uh, they are just worth a ton and treat them well. That's all. Customer service consistency and try to figure out why we're not calling them and they have to call us. I mean, it's, it, it, boy, I, I hope everybody can replay this about 40 times, especially those of you that are in the coaching world that are listening to this, just replay that part over and over again until it sticks, sticks right? So as always, it, it is a pleasure to spend some time with you. You, you obviously show the maturity that we like to see in the industry. Thanks for the space and time. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Join us next Friday for another episode of Mike Ferry Strategies. If you like our show, visit our website at www.mikeferry.com. And don't forget to check out the Mike Ferry TV podcast every Monday for new messages from Mike Ferry himself.